I welcome you in the name of Jesus today. We're here for Jesus. We serve a mighty God, an all-powerful God, a God with all the authority. He created the heavens and the earth and all that's in it. He created you, each one of you, and he's purposed you to be here today. Psalm 18. I love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my deliverer. My God is my rock, in whom I take refuge. He is my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I call to the Lord who's worthy of praise, and I am saved from my enemies. In my distress, I called to the Lord. I cried to my God for help. From his temple, he heard my voice. My cry came before him into his ears. He parted the heavens and came down. Dark clouds were under his feet. He mounted the cherubim and flew. He soared on the wings of the wind. Out of the brightness of his presence, clouds advanced. With hailstones and bolts of lightning, the Lord thundered from heaven. The voice of the Most High resounded. He reached down from on high and took hold of me. He drew me out of deep waters. He rescued me from my strong enemy, from my foes who are too strong for me. They confronted me in the day of my disaster, but the Lord was my support. He brought me out into a spacious place. He rescued me because he delighted in me. The power of God has been displayed in this promise over and over and over. And the power of God, of Jesus, has been displayed in our lives over and over and over, whether we've been able to see it or not. Psalm 77 says, You are a God who performs miracles. You display your power among the peoples. And with your mighty arm, you redeemed them. Jesus displayed his power as he parted the heavens. He displayed his power out of the brightness and advancing clouds. He displayed his power as he reached down from on high and took hold of us. As he draws us out of the deep waters, there he is again, his authority, his might. And as he brings us into the spacious place. Verse 17 says, he rescued me from my strong enemy. That really means he tore me out from the strong grip of the devil. That's the God we serve. 
and he brings us out into the spacious place. So today, maybe you're in a tight place. Maybe you're in a bit of a prison. Many times I've found that the prison time can be extended because we've kept ourselves there due to unbelief and our continued agreement with darkness. Whether it be something Pastor has spoken a lot of this past week, the grumbling, the complaint, maybe it's fighting, maybe you've been filled with fear and bitterness. But this promise states that no matter how strong the clutches of the enemy are over your life, Jesus has all the power and all the authority to bring us out to this wide open, spacious pasture. So how will you respond to the power of God coming in your life today and this week? We have the choice. We can fight. We can grumble. Whatever comes into our mind and to our heart, we can immediately respond with that complaint with that resistance towards Jesus and towards the discipline we may be under. We can hold on to that anger, no matter how far down, deep down it's pushed. And inevitably, we can turn away from Jesus. We have that choice. Or we can lift up our hands. We can humble our hearts. We can deal honestly with Jesus and allow his power and his authority and his almighty cleansing blood to change everything, to lift us out of this prison and bring us to this wide open, beautiful place. I found that it takes so much more energy to fight Jesus, to grumble against him, to resist him, to walk in fear than it does to simply say, Jesus, I'm yours. I'm going to stop this. Please come and rescue me, and I will finally go down to the bottom and agree with you. The Lord lives. Praise be to my rock. Exalted be God, my Savior. He is the God who avenges me, who subdues nations under me, who saves me from my enemies. Therefore, I will praise you among the nations. I will sing praises to your name. He gives his king great victories. He shows unfailing kindness to his anointed, to David and his descendants forever. Welcome to the National Prayer Chapel.
How big is your Jesus? Lord, come, show us, speak to our hearts. Thank you, Lord. Take your rightful place in our hearts and our minds. Rule over us. I pray in your holy name. Amen. The answer to the question, how big is your Jesus, will depend on how close you are to him. The closer you are to Jesus, the bigger he is. The further away you are, the smaller he becomes. So how big is your Jesus? Just a few facts. There were no television announcements about Jesus' birth. There was no CBS News report about the birth of the Messiah. There was one announcement made, and that was made out on the Judean hillside to stinky shepherds. You would have thought that the angels would have gone to the place of the choir in the tabernacle of God. But his presence had left that tabernacle a long time ago. The last one that saw him there was Isaiah. No, he was gone. So out on the hillside, the angels sang. And then wise men, that's always interested me. It didn't say foolish men. It didn't say stupid men. It said wise men came looking for the child. Wise men still are searching for the Christ. It's the foolish ones who don't have time, don't have interest. And I understand why. Jesus never flew on an airplane. He never traveled by train. He didn't leave his home area. He stayed in one place. Between Jerusalem, Jericho, Bethlehem, Capernaum, Nazareth, that's all very local. Drive there in a few minutes in a car today. It's not long distance. He stayed right there. Do you understand the implication of this? Everybody didn't know about Jesus. Only a few local people knew about Jesus. 
Now, they grew more and more excited as time went by, and people began to hear that there was a man in Jerusalem teaching in the temple who could heal the sick. And probably Jerusalem, at the height of its celebrations, probably a million people packed into that area to go to the temple services. They knew. But Jesus was not some national celebrity. He never went to Rome. You would have thought that he would have gone to Rome and confronted the Caesar and said, let my people go. I mean, that's what Moses did. Let my people go. Jesus, we have to begin to understand, not in terms of the bigness or the smallness of how we value someone in today's culture. We have to begin to understand him in terms of who he was, who he is. And the closer we come to him, the bigger he'll become to us. In the beginning was the word, John 1, 1. Logos, word, simply means the creative idea behind the creation of anything in the physical realm. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. All things were created through Him. Wait a minute. John is claiming that Jesus Christ is the Creator God of heaven and earth. This man who appeared so humbly in that manger was actually the God spoken of in Genesis 1.1. Let me read it for you. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. It could easily say, in the beginning, Jesus created the heavens and the earth. That's John's assertion. And every time God shows up in all of the Old Testament, it's always Jesus who is showing up. It's Jesus who spoke the Ten Commandments from Mount Sinai. It's Jesus who assigned the children of Israel to 40 years in the wilderness and to die in the wilderness because they would not believe in him. They would not submit to him. Please understand, this Jesus was not just alive. The scriptures tell us he is life. Am I life? No. Do I have a few hours of life? Yes, I've been loaned a piece of God for a few hours. 
And when those hours are up, we grieve. We hold funerals. Our hearts break. But that life doesn't belong to us. That life is on loan to us. But Jesus is not loaned life. He is life. He possesses life. It is who he is. He is life. He is God. So he specifically came as a baby in a manger so as not to impress us. God is not in the business in the new covenant of impressing us. He did come on Mount Sinai with lightning and thunder and wind and fire because he wanted to impress the children of Israel and say, look guys, I'm big and if you mess with me, you're going to die. Didn't work very well. They were impressed till they said, okay, God, what are you going to show us that's bigger than that? I mean, that's part of the human heart. Okay, I'm impressed. Now show me the next big act or the next big miracle. Now, God came as a baby in the manger to entice our emotions, our feelings of of sympathy, of love, not as a being who would cause us to be defensive. Who needs to protect themselves from a baby? I mean, as soon as a little one starts to cry or make noise in this congregation, I might as well just close up tent and stop. Because all of your eyes go to that baby. Oh, that's so cute. All of you want to go and pick up that baby. Isn't she sweet? I don't know what Zach's going to do with two beautiful baby girls. He's in trouble. He's got weddings to pay for. You know, they just capture our hearts. I wish I had a mirror to hold up to your face right now. It's Your faces say it all. Your faces don't lie. God came among us as life, not to impress us, but to win our hearts, to draw us to himself. Life was in him, and that life was the light of men, and that light shines in the darkness, yet the darkness did not overcome it. Literally, that word overcome, it can be translated several ways, but the primary meaning of the light shines in the darkness, that is, the rays of the light are piercing the darkness, yet the darkness was not eager to reach out and take a hold of it. What happens when you turn a flashlight on in the midst of the darkness? I can tell you. You know what it is. The darkness begins to pull back. The darkness does not ever embrace the light because as soon as it embraces the light, it loses its darkness. So darkness always flees back into its cave. 
So when the light of God begins to shine upon you, you demonstrate whether or not you're eager for that light by reaching out and grasping a hold of it or by backing off and keeping yourself hidden in your ways and your lifestyle and which is true for you. Jesus becomes very big for us when we reach out and eagerly embrace the light that is being shed upon our hearts. But there are many reasons why we don't want to reach out and grasp that light. First, it'll transform us, it'll change us. And some of us are real resistant to being changed. We like who we are, we like our sin, we like our lifestyle. Don't mess with me, just let me feel good about the baby. Well, the baby doesn't stay a baby. The babies grow up. And this baby grew up and was crucified and then was resurrected. He's a risen Lord. So now as the light of the gospel begins to shine upon you, you report on yourself by eagerly grasping the light that is shown upon you or you back up away from it like it's something that will hurt you. It'll cause you damage. Only you know what you do with it. But I suspect that every one of us in this room have at some point in our lives backed away from the light that's being shed on our hearts because it would mean a total lifestyle change. Now, we're not so shy when we see that new car that we desperately want, or we catch fever for something else, and some of you are very apt always getting in a fever about something, and you're going to do whatever you have to do to grasp a hold of that. If you have to take it a second or third job, you'll take it. You just want what you want, and you go after it. And of course, if you want Jesus, Those fevers have to die. Those fevers have to die out in us. The glory of Jesus begins to shine and pierce the darkness, and our hearts are exposed, and we begin to see that we worship things made by men and women. We see that we begin to worship stuff instead of the Lord God of heaven. So some want to find their comfort in stuff made with human hands, movies produced by human hands, video games produced by human hands. And the light of the gospel begins to pierce that darkness. And we then either have to eagerly reach out and grasp that light that's coming, or we have to back away from it. You cannot treat light casually because that light is going to pierce every pore of our body if we don't quickly get back in our cavern and pull the door shut so the light can't touch us. John goes on. There was a man named John who was sent from from God. He came as a witness to testify about the light 
so that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to testify about the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world. The world was created through him, yet the world did not recognize him. He came to his own. His own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, he gave them the right to be children of God. To those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood or of the will of the flesh or of the will of man, but of God. We have an innate sense of justice. Many in this world have never heard of the man Jesus Christ and they will be cast into hell. They never had a chance. Then others have heard of Jesus, but they backed away from the light, and they too will be cast into hell. Heaven is not a sentimental place. It's not grading on the curve. It's either total acceptance of the light and allowing the light to transform us into his likeness. Or there's no hope. Now a man in India or a man... Saudi Arabia has a much harder time hearing about the gospel of Jesus Christ than we have if we're in America. It's not fair, but the light does not shine everywhere. And part of our responsibility is to take the light that is shining upon us and take that light to dark places so that the light can pierce as much of the darkness as possible on this earth. Money, time, energy. What I'm saying to you is don't take lightly the fact that you have been exposed to a bit of the light and the glory of Jesus Christ. It's not because you are more righteous than someone else. It's not because you deserved more than anyone else the privilege of being exposed to the light rays bursting forth from the cross of Jesus Christ. It's not that we were special and the others are not special. It's that all of Adam's race was condemned to death by our sin. And there are many who will never be delivered from their sin. The gate of hell is wide open, and many are rushing through that gate, even as we sit in this room today. So don't take casually the gift you have been granted to know about the light rays of God's glory that are shining upon you today. Don't take that casually. Don't treat it with contempt. 
please don't treat the glorious light of Jesus with contempt, casting it off, scurrying out of the light back into the darkness. It's only the mercy of God that any of us have heard and have seen the glory of Jesus Christ. Had I been born in another country, I perhaps would not have ever seen the glory of Jesus because the light has not pierced that country yet. There are villages in India where there is... Many men and women who've never heard the name Jesus. They are utterly caught in their pagan rituals. They have no understanding of salvation in Jesus Christ. There's only one way into heaven, and that is through the person, through the name of Jesus Christ. There's only one way to come to God. There are not many ways to come to Him. All roads lead to the same place, and that's the judgment bar of God. But once you reach that judgment bar of God, there's only one avenue of escape, and that's by dwelling in the glorious light of Jesus Christ. We've treated with such contempt the glorious light of Jesus thinking we can continue to pursue the darkness of our own hearts, the bitterness, the anger, the the judgments, the the wickedness, the fornication, the, the adultery. We can continue to do whatever we want to do, and we're still okay. No, we're not. We're not. Can't tell you how grateful I am today. that I had an opportunity to listen to preaching as a child, to be taught the way of God. And what happened out of that is my whole life has been given to searching after Jesus Christ because I'm addicted to his light. I want more. I want to dwell in his light, and I am absolutely overwhelmed by my own ignorance and my own my own shortcomings i'm overwhelmed by the mercy of god how can i be full of myself when i look upon jesus and begin to understand who he is and i begin to understand that He is my only hope. There's no hope outside of Jesus. You know, why do we want to do national radio? Why do we want to do international? Because I want as many as possible to have the rays of God's glory shine upon them, to give them a chance to either run from the light or to come to the light. When it began to shine upon me as a little boy, I ran to the light. I'm still running toward it. 
until I'm utterly captured by it. He is who I want. There's nothing here for me. It is the light and the glory of God. How can I treat that with contempt? I can't. If I'm full of myself, my Jesus will be very small. He'll be like a rabbit foot that I carry in my pocket. And when I need good luck, I rub my rabbit foot. Okay, Jesus, I'm in trouble here now. Would you please take care of things? Zap, zap, zap. All done. Are you kidding me? That's not how Jesus works. You don't get light from a rabbit foot. He is the King of kings. He is the Lord of lords. He is the majesty of heaven. And every one of you in this room has been gifted with some of the rays of light from the Lord Jesus. Now I urge you, run toward the light. Run toward the light. Don't hold back. Don't strike your brother, your your family. Don't strike others with wicked fists of bitterness and anger. Don't be harsh, husbands, toward your wives or toward your children. Wives, don't be harsh toward your husbands. We don't have time for harshness or judgmentalness. We don't have time for bitterness of heart. We don't have time. The glory of God is shining about us. We don't have time to pursue the darkness. This is the glory of Jesus we're involved in. This is the one who has all life in him. He is the life. He demonstrated for us what he would do to those who continued to grumble and not believe. He let them die in the wilderness. I don't want any of us to die in the wilderness. I want us to safely make the transition from this earth to heaven. But it means Jesus must become very big for you. And you must become very small. Some of the old timers talked about, they begin to pray and they were too big for God to answer their prayer. God had to put them on the lathe and begin to trim them down. And when they got small enough, then the Lord would answer their prayer. Are you having trouble getting your prayers answered? That's probably because you're too big. And God needs to cut you down to size. Get you on that lathe and shape you into something useful for his kingdom. Now please, lathe time is not fun time. Lathe time is not fun time. But without it, God can't answer our prayers. 
let's be very clear. The Word became flesh, and He took up residence among us. I can't think of any greater passage in all of Scripture than this incredible passage. The Word became flesh and took up residence among us. God would choose to take up a home with me, with you. Have you welcomed him? Are you so full of you that there's no time to welcome Jesus? You just push him out of the way and go on with what you want, what you think, what you desire. We observed his glory. The glory is the one and only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. This is the eternal God. There was never a time when Jesus did not exist. Jesus predates time. Never was there a time when Jesus was not the God of heaven. He is the God of heaven. You understand who we're dealing with here. We're not dealing with a lesser God. We're not dealing with someone we can con. We're dealing with the creator God of heaven and earth who chose to come and live among us so that the rays of light out of his heart, out of his face, could begin to shine upon us And as those rays of light come upon us, we either have to grab them and go after them, or we have to run back to our caves and hide. You got to do one or the other. If you go after the light, you become more and more like him, and he begins to dwell in you. When I became a man, I put away childish things. What kind of childish things? That's my toy. I'm not going to share it with you. Leave it alone. That belongs to me. No. No. Everything belongs to Jesus. All that I am. All that I have belongs to Jesus. There's only one way through the grave, and that's the path marked out by the blood of Jesus Christ. That's the only path through the grave. And every one of us in this room today are headed to the grave. You may think you have lots of time. Don't fool yourself. I remember when I was 16, like it was yesterday. And I recognize that these years that have passed since that time, 
I have at times only half-heartedly sought after God. I've had to repent often, confess my eyes were taken off Jesus, and I began to look at things in the world, and they became larger and larger to me. The things of earth grow strangely dim in the light of His glory and grace. I want Jesus to be big in this house. Big in your heart. The law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the one and the only Son. It's literally the only begotten, which means the only one of His kind. There's no other one like Jesus. The one who is at the Father's side. Literally, it is the one who is in the Father's bosom. He has revealed the fullness of God to us. Please don't judge who Jesus is or how many Oscars he's won. He's not up for an Oscar award. Those are the foolish triflings of children. Those are the wicked things of the flesh, the world, and the devil. Now, Jesus is eternal. And I want to tell you today nothing is too hard for Jesus. comes and he comforts our soul. There is not anything we cannot trust fully into the hands of Jesus. We can put it all there. He will do what he said he would do. And if we seek the light, as wise men did. And we give to him our offering of gold. Silver. Myrrh. Frankincense. As we give to him our gifts. He becomes larger and larger to us. Please don't judge Jesus by the standards of this world. He is not of this world. He is of another place. There's no standard of human judgment that can even begin to judge the size of Jesus Christ. He fills the fullness of all of creation. He's the one who created the galaxies. 
He is the creator God of heaven and earth. And he came to shed his life, his light, on your heart. How big is your Jesus? You answer that, and you have judged yourself. Because your judgment of how big Jesus is will not have any bearing on how big he really is. It's only a judgment upon our own hearts and what we desire. I praise God today for Jesus. I praise God today that he came and dwelt among us, that he made his residence among us. Now, some of you have a, some tough decisions to make. You're going to keep the fire and the fever going for things of the flesh, the world. Or do you want Jesus? The light is shining on you right now. The light of God's glory is piercing your heart right now. Will you continue in your sin? Or will you turn aside and repent and let the glorious presence of Jesus take over? I want Jesus. He is all my heart desires. The closer I come to him and the more I look at him, the less and the less I see of myself. Until I don't even see me anymore. I just see Jesus. Search our hearts, Jesus. Search my heart. Let the glorious rays of your presence be shed upon us. <laughs> that we would be filled with your light and glory. That we could go and tell others. And testify to others that you are the Christ. Thank you, Jesus. I pray in your holy name. Amen.